2017. We are in the final quarter of 2017, and uh, uh, this last week, uh, one of our staff members posted something on Facebook that said, I am done with 2017. It's been a weird year, hasn't it? I mean, not necessarily personally. I, I have to admit, just kind of on a personal level, it's been a pretty good year. I love what's going on at Thrive Church, and and, um, you know, there's the normal day-to-day stuff like everybody deals with. But just overall, you know, personally, it's been great. But when you zoom out and you take a look at the, the wider world, <clears throat> um, you know, there's still all kinds of mess in the Middle East. And over in Europe, you've got uh, Brexit and you've now got a vote in Catalonia. And you know, things are changing dramatically. And and, uh, and at the beginning of the year, you know, regardless of what side of the aisle that you're on, the transition between one administration to the other has been rough, the very least, right? It just has been. It's been a weird year. And then last Sunday night, a guy goes and he rents a hotel room on the 32nd floor, breaks out the windows, and just starts shooting at people. And, and there's this part of me... And, and you'll, you'll have to, to understand the double entendre here, but what the hell is happening? Because that's what it feels like, doesn't it? And you just kind of sit there and go, what is going on? And, and what's more is that in the aftermath of that, they can't find a reason why. And it's just so troubling that there's no discernible reason why a person would go and do something that sick. There's no other word for it other than it's evil. It's just evil. And of course, the internet exploded, didn't it? And we get on to this run around a tired political track again, and the gap in ideologies widens and widens, and we thought we were divisive before, and now, oh my goodness, we're even more divided as people. I came across another Facebook post after all of this happened. This is why I don't believe in God. Now, you need to understand, um, I've got kind of a strange mix of Facebook friends, and not because all of you are on it, okay? (laughs) I have friends who are from seminary, and I have friends who are from art school. (laughs) And as you can imagine, nary the two shall meet. But this came from a friend of mine um, uh, that that I met up in Wisconsin, and and, uh, she's straight up atheist, not agnostic, atheist. And she posted this. Uh, and by the way, I didn't engage because <laughs> sometimes it was probably not a good idea to do that. But, but you read it, and it's actually an understandable position. It's an understandable position to take. It's an easy conclusion to draw. And you may know somebody who feels the exact same, same way, which, by the way, don't engage them right now. It's probably not worth it, at least not yet, okay? And frankly, this, 
this evil that we see in the world is the greatest challenge to the existence of God. If you think about it, what do you do with evil that we see in the world? In fact, in philosophy, it's called the problem of evil. And you need to understand that philosophers and theologians have grappled with this for centuries. This isn't the first rodeo, okay? This has been going on for a long period of time. And and stated exceptionally um, simply, it goes like this. Next slide. How can an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God allow evil to occur? Because what happens here is that if evil does occur, then you can challenge every one of those. He's all-knowing, and he didn't know about it. That's why the evil occurred. Um, Even if he did know about it, he may not be all-powerful to stop it, and maybe he's not all-loving. I mean, this is a challenge to the understanding of the existence of God. And the fact of the matter is, church, we must talk about this. We have got to have an understanding of this. And by the way, I'm not expecting anybody to walk out those doors being an expert in the problem of evil and all of the arguments that are related to it. But, we, but without some kind of framework, we run a horrible, horrible risk. And the risk is simply this, that all we are able to do when evil occurs is to quote scripture out of context or offer empty platitudes. And all that ever does for anybody is it just adds to the confusion and it erodes our credibility to speak life and light into something horribly, horribly dark. Can I get an amen? It's a big deal. And it's a painful thing to talk about. Now, full disclosure, this is a tough issue, okay? I can't do in 30 minutes what it has taken some theologians and philosophers lifetimes to actually write about. It's a tough issue. It has a long history. And really, you don't want me to recount it all. (laughs) Seriously, unless you have insomnia, then I can help you out, okay? (laughs) Gallons of ink have been spilled. And and by the way, beware the internet on this one, (laughs) okay? You just got to be careful of that. And there may be others that are better at explaining this, but I just want you to understand where I stand. This is what makes sense to me. Mine is not the only interpretation but this is, this is how I have reconciled all of these things. And the challenge here is great. The challenge is I can't overcomplicate it and add to the confusion. And at the same time, I can't make it too simplistic as to render the position useless. Okay? So I've got to walk a fine line. And so I'm going to do my best to avoid some technical terms. And the first step here is that we've, we've got to get some clarity on evil. I hate to give evil any time, but it's very helpful if we do this. First of all, most philosophers divide evil into two categories. Here's the first one. It's natural evil. These are things like hurricanes and tornadoes. We know a little about that here, don't we? Yeah? And things like earthquakes, which happened in Mexico just, what, a week and a half ago disease. And these things deserve thought, they do, but today we're going to turn our attention to the other kind of evil, and it's called moral evil. And it results from the action or inaction 
of one human being on another. What we saw in Las Vegas last week is moral evil. There's no other word for it. It's just evil. In fact, I saw um, an interview with the, the shooter's brother, and he said, I hope that they do find something like a tumor in his brain or something, because other than that, my brother's a monster. Can you imagine? I can't. can't imagine. Now, to begin to understand evil, we have to start in a really odd place. You're just going to have to trust me on this one, okay? We're going to start in an odd place. We're going to start with love. Now, I'm not trying to twist this, okay? I'm not trying to make this some kind of twisted that, you know, evil and love and some kind of... Mm -mm. I want you to think about this with me a little bit. We're going to participate in kind of a thought experiment, I guess. But we have to start with love because if God is all loving, and that's what we believe, that he's all loving, and if he wants us to love him, if he wants to be in relationship with us, then we must be in a position to actually choose that. Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? We have to be able to choose love because true relationship is based on a, a free and chosen response. We have to be able to choose that. Otherwise, otherwise, it's coercion. Do you understand that? If you don't freely choose love, it is coercion. And that's not what God is asking us for. God doesn't just, you know, zap and you love him. That's the way it is in David world, right? Zap. Sometimes Shazam. Today it's zap. But, we, but God doesn't want a coercive kind of relationship because that's not a real, true relationship. And so therefore, God gave humanity free will. The ability to choose for him and the ability to choose against him. Does that make sense? So God gives us free will. Otherwise, we cannot choose him. And we're coerced into, into it. Okay? Does that make sense? So you have to start with love. And you have to start with the free will that comes from God's love. And moral evil, then, is the misuse or abuse of free will. Let that one sink in. If you're going to write something down, that's a great one. Moral evil is the misuse or abuse of free will. And the thing is that you have to remember, if this is the world that God created, where we all have this ability to choose either for God or against God, and we see that in the Garden of Eden, by the way, if God has created the world, then you have to understand that this same world that produces a Las Vegas shooter and a Hitler and a Napoleon also produces Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. Because it has to do with the choices that people make based on their free will. Does that make sense? Now, fortunately, Jesus gives us a little insight into all of this. Because you knew we were going to get to Jesus at some point, right? <laughs> Jesus gives us a little bit in, of insight. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to Mark chapter 7. Uh, otherwise, I'll have parts of it up on the screen. But I want to read a little bit of, of this to you. 
And then uh, towards the end, I got the end verse that I'll put on the screen, but let me read a little bit first. Jesus is having a <clears throat> discussion with religious leaders, which is just my euphemism for having an argument, because Jesus did that a lot with religious leaders. <clears throat> Makes me very aware of my job sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, make sure that I'm in line with Jesus, because I don't want him arguing with me. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 14, if you have a Bible. <clears throat> Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone. And understand this, nothing outside a human being, a man, can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So he's having this discussion with these religious leaders about what we call kosher laws. There's certain laws within the Jewish text that makes certain foods in particular clean and unclean. And the religious leaders are all in a tizzy because Jesus and his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Okay, which is a little weird. I understand that. But the point is, is that he's having this argument with them and saying, look, the reason why you keep that isn't for sanitary reasons. It's for religious reasons. And the word unclean here is really, really important. Because when a person is declared unclean, it means that they are not allowed into the temple to worship. You see that? That's a huge deal if you are a first century Jew. I am unclean. That means I am unfit to worship God. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, time out. You want to keep this particular law and all the other laws like it about clean and unclean, but it's not about the things you put in your mouth. It's about the things that come out of the human. And I love this. Verse 17, after he had left the crowd and entered the house... His disciples asked him about this parable. Asked him, what's it mean? And Jesus answered, verse 18, are you so dull? Love that. That's my life verse, by the way. Some of you will get that later. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but it goes into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Go ahead and put that verse up for me, Jason. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. And what he's, not, what he's saying here is, look, you can have the thought, because we all entertain thoughts that we shouldn't, but it's when it becomes action that it really becomes sinful. And what he's saying is here, it's the things that are going on in your heart. It's from within, out of a person's heart. That's where the evil thoughts come from. It's when you act on those, but understand that that's something that's deep inside. That's not coming from the outside in. It's from the inside out. This makes perfect sense to us because we've all had that kind of experience. It's part of the human condition, I think. And, and, and the thing of it is, when we talk about this idea of defile, it's not about keeping cleanliness laws, but when we defile ourselves, 
when we become unfit for worship, what it does, it creates a barrier between us and God. How many of you have experienced, do not raise your hand, how many of you have experienced something where you know you've done something that wasn't right, that was sinful? And let me guess, let me guess, see if I'm right, the last person you wanted to talk to is God. And you know what I'm talking about. It's human condition. Because when we do these things, it's not the, the eating the wrong food that keeps us from God. It's the sin that comes from within us and puts this barrier between us and God. And here's the thing you must understand. It interrupts relationship. And God loves you so much. He hates the barrier. Sometimes we think that, oh, God is holy and we are not, and that's why he hates sin. Mm -mm. No, no, no. Don't misunderstand. It breaks relationship. And the one thing that God has created human beings for is to be in true relationship. That's why he gave us free will. Do you understand? That barrier is the thing he despises. He cannot live with it. He finds his way up and over, and finally through Jesus, he smashed through it just so that he could stay in relationship with us. By the way, that's called good news, right? Yeah. God does not want any kind of barrier between us. Now, all cards on the table. In this country, we must, must have a vigorous debate about firearms. We need to have that. That, that has to be part of the discussion. But let's be clear there is no legislative remedy for a problem of the human heart. There isn't one. I don't care what the tool is. If there's something going on in here, it may not be a firearm, but it's going to be something else. Because the issue is what's going on in the heart for all of us. And we can nod our, our, our heads in assent and go, oh yeah, that's right, that's very true. But the fact of the matter is, is each one of us here, we all have that same condition. We all have the free will to choose for God and against God, not just once when we choose to follow Jesus for the first time, but every single day, choice after choice after choice. How am I going to treat my wife? How am I going to treat my kids? How am I going to treat the, the checkout person at the grocery store? How am I going to treat the barista at the coffee shop? I treat them quite well, by the way. And, okay. But how we treat people and how we choose to think and how we choose to act, there are thousands of choices that we make every single day and we choose either for God or we choose against God. And we have this knack, human beings in general have this knack for misusing our free will. Now, it's not the same thing as taking 50 random lives. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to equate those two things. But the same choice to follow God or to follow something else is ours every day day, moment by moment. Now, the New Testament writer named Paul gives us a little encouragement. It's in the book of Ephesians. It's a letter that he wrote to a group of Christians in Ephesus. And I want to I walk through this a little bit because I think this is going to be helpful. Next slide. <clears throat> Here we go. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light 
consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Okay, so have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds. Oh, sorry, go back, go back, sorry. He switched it on me, I missed it. Okay, for once you, uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And that's really kind of the issue here, is when you choose to follow Jesus, the point is, is that all of that junk that's in your heart gets illuminated. And now that you are light, and so he's saying, live as children of the light. And we just were talking about in the last series about fruit. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so you, you find out what pleases the Lord. Interesting choice. Next, next slide. Um, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Because let me tell you, sin, sin just grows in the dark. It just does. The only thing that kills it is the light. Boy, that's a sermon for another day. Okay but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now, let me explain that a little bit. The moon does not have light of its own, but rather reflects what? The sun's light, right? We know that. Now, in the middle of the night, when there's a full moon out, it looks like it's illuminating things. But the point that he's making here, I think, is that things become visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Why? Because it reflects it. It reflects the light, the holiness, and the light of God. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. Let me tell you something. Some of my greatest relationships that I have had with people, some of my best friends have come because of a sin issue. God does not waste tragedy. If there's an issue in your life that becomes exposed in the light of day, it's amazing what God will do that. It's why one of the reasons in the 12-step programs of, of Alcoholics Anonymous is that the 12th step is that you reach out your hand and help someone else. It's this principle. Everything that is illuminated becomes light. You with me? Does that make sense? Next slide. This is why it is said... Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Boy, that's a powerful, powerful verse. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. Remember, Paul also writes elsewhere that the wage of sin is death, right? Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Next one. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Look, because the days are evil. Now, here's something I want you to understand. In the, in the, the, the Greek language, this was written, this idea, uh, make most of, of, of every opportunity, actually, a better translation, I think, is <clears throat> make the most of your time. Because the days are evil. <laughs> in other words, take advantage of what you can living in this light because the rest of it is all evil and it's really easy to fall into that. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, let me just say one thing about the Lord's will and then, and then we'll move on. Okay, so oftentimes 
um, because of my job, people will talk to me, and they're in the middle of circumstances, and they'll say something like, I'm just waiting to see what the Lord's will is in this set of circumstances. Okay. If you got a pen and paper, you're going to want to write this down, because I'm going to tell you what the Lord's will is, okay? You ready? Here, here it is. The Lord's will is always, has been, is, and will forever will be the same thing. It's the kingdom of God. The Lord's will is the kingdom of God, and it's characterized by love. If you want to know what the Lord's will is, you need to understand it is the kingdom of God, period. So the question is, what's the Lord's will in this circumstance? No, that's not it. The correct question is, how can I bring about the kingdom of God in these circumstances? How can I be light in the darkness? What can I do in this set of circumstances that will bring about the kingdom of God? You with me? Every time. Take it to the bank. Double dog dare you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm serious about this because really, you want to understand what the Lord's will is, it's going to be the kingdom of God. On some level, it will be the kingdom of God. It's somewhere in there. Don't be foolish. Understand that it's about the kingdom. It always is. Next one. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Which, by the way, I need a good definition for debauchery. I'm not sure what it is. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. The best alternative is not forgetting or drowning the issue, whatever the issue happens to be, but rather living by the Spirit. That's the alternative. That's good news, that we can live by the Spirit. We don't have to medicate the problem. We can actually deal with the reality because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Now, this is the reason why we're doing the 60-60 experiment. How many of you have tried this 60-60 experiment? Basically what it is, every 60 minutes, an alarm goes off with a little note to remind you that, that God is with you and to check in with him because it, it breaks our distractions. I'll tell you a quick story. Last night, um, I was over at Hubspace, uh, our, our, um, our building on, in uh, downtown Broken Arrow. I was doing a little work. I couldn't make the morning work session, so I thought I'd go in in the afternoon. I would do something. And I, I got everything all done, and I was busily working on something in particular. <clears throat> and I said, I said this out loud, and yes, I do talk to myself. Um, but I was, but I don't answer myself, so that's good. <laughs> but anyway, I was, I was talking to myself. I said, okay, Lord, it's just you and me. What do we need to talk about? I kid you not, I had no idea what time it was my alarm went off in that moment. And it said, and I, I've, I don't keep track of what the alarm says, but it said, pray for Thrive Church. And I just thought, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> it was just one of, those, one of those moments where you're like, okay. And I was so appreciative of that because it broke that, that tendency that I have to get focused on my own stuff. You know, even spiritually, we do this. And in that moment, pray for Thrive Church. So by the way, I was praying for you yesterday. I hope you felt it. And uh, that's the idea of living in the Spirit, is that we get so wrapped up into the day-to-day -day operations of life that we forget to bring God into it until our head hits the pillow, and how many of you have fallen asleep saying prayers? Right? It happens. 
And so that, that little alarm just kind of shakes us loose. And that's happened a couple of times, things like that. Just yesterday was, was kind of cool. But the idea here is to live by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to live by Him, to, to have that holy perspective on things rather than just kind of going through life, hoping, right? So we're doing this new series. Uh, we're starting it today. It's called Waking the Dead. And, and frankly, um, those of you who have heard me preach before, you know that this time of year, I love Halloween and dressing up. I think it's cool. I just don't understand why it has to be evil. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the billboards. I just, ugh, like change my roots so I don't have to look at them. And I just do. Takes me, so if I'm late to something, now you know why. I had to change my route. But anyway, the point is, is that I'm kind of playing where's this idea of, of waking the dead. I'm not interested in, in the walking dead. I'm interested in waking the dead. Because remember, Paul tells us, wake up, sleeper. Wake up from the dead. And the light of Christ will shine on you. That's what I'm interested in. I want to see that actually happen. But it, but it strikes me, it strikes me, that if we want to wake others up, we have to be awake ourselves. We have to be awake ourselves. That's why Jesus talked about, you know, don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye until you deal with, with a log in your own. And sometimes... If we want to make a difference in the world, we've got to start right here. If you want to pray for revival, draw a circle on the ground, stand in the circle and say, God, revive everything in the middle of the circle. <laughs> That's going to start with you. Uh, the point is here is that we have to start with ourselves. It's hard to wake up other people when you're not awake yourself. So we want to wake up ourselves. And so here's what I would, I would just kind of end with. Look, pray for the victims last week. Pray for some answers, too. Ask God to illuminate that, because <laughs> I think that would do a, a, a lot for a whole lot of folks. I don't know if we'll ever get them, but pray for those victims. Pray for the answers. There's no justice to be sought here, because a person took his own life. But look inside and understand. No, you're not going to go down that road. I know you're not. But the same set of choices that faced that individual, you face every single day. We all do. Every one of us. And the question is, ultimately, how are you going to exercise your free will? How are you going to exercise the free will that God has given you to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength? And will you love your neighbor as yourself? If you do those two things, you have fulfilled the law that Christ has put out for us. 